Amy crawled out of the fog with her head swimming and a god-awful taste in her mouth that made her stomach royal. She gagged but held down the contents. Barely. She didn't have a weak stomach, but she had a contrary one which occasionally reacted to anxiety. And she was sore, as if she'd slid into second, third, and home plate all at the same time. If she'd been on a three-day drunk, she couldn't have felt worse. What in the world happened to her? She slowly opened her eyes and was so taken aback by what she saw, she snapped them shut again. I must be dreaming. Like Alice, she had fallen into an alternate universe. The landscape looked identical to the early 20th century painting of New York City hanging in the lobby of her apartment building in Soho. She risked a second look and opened her eyes. A few hours ago, Riverside Park had been thickly forested. What happened to all the trees? And Riverside Drive was filled with horse-drawn carriages and funny-looking cars and funnier-looking bicycles ridden by women in long dresses and fancy hats. Was someone filming a movie? A movie could explain the cars and bicycles, but not the landscape. No matter how much money a producer wanted to spend, the Conservancy would never allow the deforestation of Riverside Park. She turned in circles. Holy crap. She was standing in front of Grant's tomb, sitting high atop a rocky slope where the air held the sweet, balmy scent of springtime. In her universe, not the alternate one she'd fallen into, the tomb was surrounded by acres of undeveloped land just like the painting in her apartment building. This wasn't a movie set. This wasn't a dream. She closed her eyes and squeezed both tightly, and then very slowly opened them again. But nothing changed. This would be the time to panic, but panicking wasn't in her nature. She had a reputation for being unnaturally calm and cool under pressure. Fear, however, was a different matter. Fear took courage to conquer, and right now her stores of readily available courage were closed for inventory, or on the verge of being purged. She considered her situation. If she wasn't on a movie set, and she wasn't dreaming, and she hadn't fallen into an alternate universe, then there was only one option left. She must have inhaled a hallucinogen while inside the mansion. That had to be it. She was on a drug-induced trip back in time. She had never taken drugs and, other than beer after games, rarely drank alcohol. So a psychedelic drug was bound to have a strong effect on her. She had to think about this for a minute. And while she thought, she swung an imaginary bat, like some golfers swing imaginary clubs. What exactly had she been doing before she ended up at Grant's tomb? She mentally placed herself back inside Lorette's room. The brooch. She had opened a diamond brooch, read an inscription engraved on the diamond, and poof. She stopped swinging and looked around for the jewelry. There it was on the step, glinting in the sun. She snatched it up, clutched it close to her chest like it was the most precious thing she owned. In her time-warped world, it was. In direct sunlight, its age was even more apparent, but she had no way of knowing how old, three or four centuries, maybe older. It was delicate and finely made of silver with tiny, twisted threads soldered together to form a Celtic design. 
Her brain hadn't retained much of the three credit hours of art history she took during her sophomore year in college, probably because she spent her time in class studying player stats instead of the course textbook. Wasn't 400 years ago the time of witches and magic potions? Maybe the brooch came from Scotland or Ireland, or someplace else with a history of witchcraft. She didn't know for sure if the inscription was Gaelic. For all she knew, it could be Icelandic or Old English. All in all, it was easier to buy into the idea of a mind-altering drug than witches, warlocks, and magical stones—